You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders. Ooh, uh, is this pretty good, Diana? Are you scared? I'm scared of the direction this is going. <laughs> you know why I'm doing this, though, right? Because guess what yeah. today is? Yeah. Today's Halloween. It is for us, but not for our listeners. Yeah, so we know we're going to be recording this on Halloween, so it's Halloween for us, but you all just had Halloween, so we figured it was relatable, like you'll watch this and may, or listen to this, and maybe you listen to it on Halloween sometime, but this is going to be a podcast episode that you should not listen to alone, <laughs> right? Like, bring friends together, be, turn your lights on, don't be afraid. Or be very afraid. Yeah, I say I'm a little afraid. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Good, Stephanie. I'm glad you're a little afraid. Bethany, are you scared? Yeah, I'm terrified. <laughs> terrified. And what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about scary things in business and teams. Those moments that happen at work that scare us all to death, that make us so scared of going back to work the next day or talking to other people or speaking to our boss or all of those types of things. And our team has circled up before this episode, and we've made a list of some of the scariest work moments. What are the scariest work moments that you can have? And we're going to talk about some of those moments. So this is going to be a little unsettling for you out there as a listener. I mean, I think one scary moment is if your boss decides to take on the ghoul voice all day long for Halloween. So here's what we're going to do <laughs> that that was a joke in case anyone couldn't hear my sarcasm. no 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 i got he it loved I got don's it. impressions yeah yeah that's scary too my impressions we were doing some of those earlier today they're very good but that'll be another episode that'll be the next episode we'll do you just sprinkle them in throughout multiple episodes so that no okay. one knows when it's coming you know all right all right all right i can oh, do that man i can do that just threw one in there there's matthew mcconaughey Matthew McConaughey. Just in case. Just threw that one out. While we're on this subject, later, someone, listeners, you need to ask Don to do his Morgan Freeman for you because it is really terrible and not good at all. But he's been working on it for, I don't know, at least five years. It's hilarious. So when when you see Don later, ask him to do that for you. It's so bad, it's good. (laughs) <laughs> and this is, is our secret way to track engagement with the podcast is how yeah, many yeah. people <laughs> ask Don to do this impression. Because <laughs> this might surprise you, but I don't get asked to do Morgan Freeman a lot. So I know if you do, then you're probably a podcast listener. So we thank you for that. So are you guys ready? So we've got Diana and Bethany and Stephanie on the call. Matt is out on assignment. He's on the road. He's getting ready to head out to a conference out in Hilton Head. Somebody had to do it. So he's doing it. Appreciate you, Matt, out there traveling. He'll never hear, he'll never listen to this. He, he doesn't just records listen podcasts. Yeah. He doesn't listen to them. No. He just likes to be on the it other side of it. Weird. I don't know why he wouldn't, but. I think okay. he would enjoy this one, especially. 
because this is scary moments in business. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. This is great. All right. So let's talk about our very first scary moment in business that our team came up with. We've collaborated on these. Number one on the list is the, are we going to make it? So it's the idea that sometimes companies are saying, well, we're really struggling as a company. What are we going to do? How are we going to keep the lights on? What are we going to do tomorrow? How are we going to make payroll? Those kinds of discussions. So team, is this a scary moment? Do we see this and how can we maybe make it less scary? Man, I feel like I see this way more than a lot of employees might see it just because we're in meetings where we talk about financials and, and we are with the executives a lot. And the number of times a a leader has looked at me and said, I don't know if I'm going to make payroll next month makes me cringe because I think it means a lot of things, but I think it ultimately means that they're just not focused on the right things. And so every time I hear this, I immediately stop and I'm like, okay, we need to do 10 things immediately (laughs) because I just don't think it's fair for anyone to not get paid and to feel that pressure of like, are we going to make it? Am I making an impact? Am I working on the right things? And so I, this is one of the moments that scared me every time I hear it in business. Yeah. So first of all, it's funny the way you just said that every one of our clients are listening are going to be like, are you talking about our company? Like, do we not know this? What is happening right now? Does no. that mean us? No. It, it seldom happens. I don't remember very many times and I can't think of really any times where I've thought of a company that didn't make payroll like was yeah. unable to make payroll. But yeah. I've, I've known many companies that worry about it from time to time. I guess the first question is a lot of times businesses don't share that with their employees, but do the employees feel the pressure whenever companies are struggling? Yeah, I think employees can totally feel it. I think you kind of know. I think you hear things like, we need to cut expenses. I guess employers say that all the time. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a lot of pressure. I think you, I think employees are not dumb and they feel it and they know it. So can I ask a question? What do you, like Diana, when you have those conversations, what do you tell them when they're like, I don't think we're going to make payroll? Like, what's the first thing you say to them? Well, the first thing I say is let's pull your books out and let's look at stuff because generally I think it comes from not understanding your financials very clearly. And so when I look at those financials, I can usually see Okay, something is really good here. Something's really bad here. But if you don't look at financials often and don't know more about just a PL, you have to know more than just the PL. If you don't know more than that, then you're probably going to struggle because books are usually set up to keep you out of jail. Books are usually set up for tax purposes, not for information purposes. And so you have to set up your books accordingly at a accounting level to be able to see them really well and really easy. So the first thing I do is say like, let's look at your books because you're probably fine. You just don't know it. I love that point. We're big proponents of the great game of business, which is an open book management system that really engages employees to figure out what their line of sight is, which means how they perform on a day-to-day basis. How does that impact the company at the end of the day? Because we are big proponents. We believe that it's scarier to not know than to know. Like it's scarier to know, it would be more secure to say, I know we're going to struggle, but we're going to make it. And here's why I know that than is to say, I'm not sure whether we're going to make it or not, right? Especially if the rest of the team works together 
to try to solve the problem. Because most teams, if you don't know what's happening, you know, if you say, oh, I'm just not a numbers person, I'm not a finance person, and you're using that excuse and say, I kind of just drive by what's in the bank and if there's nothing in there, I know we have to go make more. But I think you're setting yourself up to be scared more and your employees to be scared also. I agree with that. And I think it's an opportunity to create buy-in with your team. Because if I don't know what's happening, I'm an employee, I don't know what's happening. And I hear these rumors. I'm now spending a lot of um, mental time and effort thinking like, do I need to go find another job? <laughs> and What's going to happen to me? And I'm probably starting to play out some really worst case scenarios in my brain versus hearing transparency from a leader of like, hey, times are tight. Here's where I think we can all rally together and work hard. And then I can focus that mental effort instead on like, okay, here's how I know I can contribute to the team to make sure that we don't get to that place. Yeah. Did you hear that business owners? I think sometimes we think, okay, I don't want to share the struggles because I don't want to scare the employees, but the employees not knowing and feeling that scared, they always make the story worse than it really is, is what we tend to find out. So don't let them make it a scary story, even scarier by not sharing information and not talking about what can we do differently. Okay, good one. All right, let's talk about another scary business story. Scary, I'm, not, I'm never gonna get tired of doing this. This is great. Let's talk about the, let's talk about scary bosses. Scary bosses, sometimes bosses get into weird moods sometimes. Diana, I saw you unmute your really scary fast. voice. Can you use your scary voice again when you say scary bosses? I feel like, that will help us really get in the mood of this scary boss thing. Diana, if you have an issue that you want to talk about, then maybe we could wait till our next one-to-one -one meeting instead of bringing it out in front of the entire team. I'm if sorry. you want to tell me to use my scary <laughs> boss voice. I'm sorry, okay. sir. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> we can dialogue about this offline. I'm sorry, sir. I'm, sorry, I'm so sir. sorry. <laughs> scary boss moments. So why is the scary boss thing? How First of all, let me ask this question. How in tune are employees to their boss in terms of their mood and how they're performing or what they're doing? How What do you think of that? Do, do employees respond? I mean, sorry, Bethany, you go yes. ahead. Could you rephrase your question was what I was going to say. Yeah, and I was going to say like, I think absolutely. I, I If you're asking like, do we feed and feel the same things that you're feeling like, yeah, I mean, if you're coming at me mad and angry, that definitely affects me. Is that what you're asking? So, I mean, that's pretty, I, I, I don't know that I asked the question very well, apparently, because I saw three people look back at me and went like, uh, I'm not sure exactly what you mean. I guess what I'm trying to get to is I think sometimes bosses feel like it's obvious if a boss comes into the office kicking and screaming and knocking down tables, that those are scary moments that has a big impact. But what if the boss comes in in just a little bit of a bad mood and everybody can pick up on it? Does that kind of thing have a big impact on the work environment and on people's decisions and how they interact with the boss and how they interact with each other? How influential is the boss at work, I guess, is my question. Yeah, it does. It feels, I feel like it's unfair for bosses in that way because you, like, if you have, everyone's going to have a bad day. So yes, I do think it impacts people because they know when things are a little bit off or you're responding differently than um, you typically would. So for sure it impacts people. But I think also if you are more, if you have more good days than bad days, then your team is going to be a lot more gracious with you on the bad days. But I think when the bad days are the majority of the time, 
man, your team is not going to be in a good place and they're going to take on some of those same characteristics. So if you're a boss and you are having a lot of bad days and it's because you're frustrated over different things, what would your, what would be your advice to that person? I know that your what your go-to is to share the load, right? Like if you're frustrated and upset about things that are happening at work, it probably means that you are taking on too much at work and you're not sharing either the challenge or the solution or what you're not sharing enough with the team. And so then you start to get a little resentful and you're like, I am doing all this work and nobody seems to care. Or why am I the only one that cares around here? Or how can no one see how hard I'm working? Are they, why aren't they working as hard? I'm here early and I leave late. Like you're getting resentful because you're not sharing the load. Yeah, I was going to say nearly exactly that of a little communication can go a long way sometimes of, yeah, sharing the challenge with your team. Like what if somebody has a great idea that you haven't thought of yet, or even if it's stuff going on in your personal life, you know, you don't have to spill your guts to your team, but it's nice to know that other people are human too, and they struggle with family stuff. So I, I think, yeah, just communicating that a little bit and finding that fine line of vulnerability with your team of where, you know, they still feel like they can rely on you as a leader, but yeah, just, just talk to them. Yeah, I was going to say that vulnerability is a key part, which I think leaders struggle to do because it feels like I have to know the answers. I can't let my team know that like I'm having a hard day or I don't know the direction to go or I'm a little bit afraid kind of. And so that's really, that's scary for a boss. We're talking about scary things. That's probably a scary thing for leaders to do is be vulnerable. And, and, but I think it's really important. Like you said, Stephanie is just like knowing the right balance there. But then I would say too, like if there is things going on in your personal life that are impacting how you're showing up at work, and this is for anybody, not just for your, for your bosses, but it's like, go make sure that you're taking care of yourself and like talking to the people that you need to talk to. And like, if you need to go see a therapist, like do it, it's going to, it's going to not only impact you, but it's going to impact people around you much more positively if you're taking care of, of yourself in that way. Yeah, I love that. One of the nice things about, especially during COVID, I think something changed a little bit is normalizing mental health issues along with other health issues. We, we would often share, you know, hey, I've got a bad cold, so I'm going to miss work today or something like that. But we often don't talk about like mental health and anxiety and those types of things that are so prevalent in the world. And we've got to be able to take care of ourselves because if you show up, like we often say you can't not lead, right? So when you show up back with a team, and especially if you're the boss, you have a title or something with that people are watching it and they're attuned to it. Uh, you got to take care of yourself and you got to be able to share that. I was surprised a few, a couple of years ago, I can remember Bethany Bishop, give her a shout out. She used to sit right next to me and she would be very in tune to everything that I would feel. Diana sat on the other side of me before she moved out West. Right. And I would just, I would, I would make a gesture or say something and Bethany would turn next to me. She's like, what, what is it? What do you need? You need, you need some help on something. She'd just be really yeah. in tune to it. And then finally, Bethany said, Don, you go through these mood cycles and we all kind of know about it. And we all talk about it. And we kind of know where you are in these mood cycles, which I had no idea. Like I had no, no idea what those things were. <laughs> so I was like, please help me identify what these mood cycles are. Cause I didn't know that I was even doing that. And it was helpful to, to kind of recognize like how much people do tune in. It's, it's, it's quite a bit. Well, that's what I was going to say. Even if it's not like, therapy that's fine but do you have people who you who can support you who you're talking to that 
that know you and understand you and, and can help like give you advice and just listen to you when you, when you do have a hard day. So if you're like, still like, I don't know about counseling or therapy, like, okay, that's fine. But like, who are your people and make sure you have community. I love that. We need each other. Put your mask on before you can help others. Right. So let's talk about the next scary topic. You guys are never going to get tired of this. It's so fun. It's so much fun. Uh, let's talk about the toxic employee. So we've talked, we've done whole episodes on the toxic employee, the person that shows up to work, who's misaligned with the organization, who pushes back on everything, who people are afraid to talk to because they're going to give that bad, they're going to flash that bad attitude, or they're going to say something that's awkward, or they're going to introduce the elephant in the room, or whatever it is that the toxic employee does. So let's talk a little bit about how scary is a toxic employee, and how much impact does that have on the organization? So I was thinking about this one because I was, I was thinking, I mean, it's definitely the toxic person, but they're the, the toxic person that is going to self-sabotage. So it's not the toxic person who is like, okay, I didn't realize I was toxic and I'm going to turn things around. It's the one that's like, nope, I am completely going to ruin the rest of my career in this organization. And we've interacted with these people multiple times in the work that we do. And it's so sad to watch when somebody gets to this point where they're just like, I am not happy. And I think I, everything that that was done to me was like, I can't get over it. And I'm not going to just leave and move on with my life. I am going to burn this place down on the way. And it's just, it's just the worst thing. It's, it's a scary thing to watch because sometimes, you know, when people are in that position, they feel very uh, justified in, in how they're, they're going about things. And so, man, that's super scary to me. I think it's scary to be on a team when that happens to me. I think like as a manager, you can definitely feel or a business owner, how scary that is when somebody's like on the way out the door and they're like, and I'm going to get on Glassdoor and I'm going to write everything bad and I'm going to do all the Google reviews. And I'm going to say like, they're throwing just hand grenades everywhere on their way out the door. And definitely as the manager owner, that's terrifying because you're wondering like, what's the impact to my bottom line then? But then I think as a team too, because it makes you think, oh my gosh, is this going to make it harder for me to do my job? You know, now we have to actually, number one, fill this person's role. And if they've gone and said all these horrible, nasty things, is anybody else going to want to work here? Are they going to believe us when we say that's not our culture? And that was maybe the one odd man out. How are we going to like fill in the holes that this person dug? I think it's, it's scary for the whole team when you have someone who has that attitude. I think what's really scary too, is that you as the toxic employee may not recognize yourself as being toxic. Right. So you're having this impact on everybody else. You're probably focused on the injustice, the thing that happened to you that that's probably legit, by the way, that probably happened. And you're focused on that thing. And then you forget about how are you coming across to others and other people start keying in on things and you start to sabotage. And I like that word self-sabotage because you start to impact things. If you start to think your boss is a jerk, does it impact how you treat your boss? The answer is probably and if it's impacting how you treat your boss, it's probably not a positive change. Does that start to change how your boss treats you? And the answer is probably. And that's where we see the cycle that starts to form, right? It, it can happen in any relationship, but it's especially prevalent at work. Person one says, okay, person two is being a jerk. Person one starts to treat person two differently. Person two sees the change, starts to change, starts to go back and forth. And now we're, the, now we're spiraling, right? Now we have toxicity. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think, I think it's 
something that you should be aware of, like when the, the people who are in this kind of category and they're self-sabotaging, you really are. It's, I think you think that if you are going down this road and you're kind of like, to what Stephanie said, you throw hand grenades <laughs> on your way out the door. Like you, your hope usually is like, they're going to, they're going to miss me. They're going to see how much they lost, but honestly, they're going to be glad you're gone. If that's the way you're going out, it's not going to be the results that you want. Well, and I think one thing that I've heard from people who've been that toxic employee before of the reason, some of their reason and justification for doing that is other people need to know. Other people need to know how awful this person is or this employer is and all this stuff. And, and what I'll say is if you're actually right, and that is a terrible employer, other people already know, like you don't have to be the one to share that news with the world. I know it can feel like a really isolating experience to go through something like that, because usually if it is the truth, then you've kind of been singled out and you're being eliminated through those actions. But yeah, other people know. You don't, you probably don't need to be the one to turn on the megaphone to the world. Just move forward for yourself, like give yourself that gift and just move on, move past it. Don't let those people continue to dictate your life for the next months, weeks, years to come. Yeah. I like that. When you said like other people need to know, I heard that translates in my consultant head as, no, I just feel like I need to say something right. When we feel powerless in a situation, we try to look for places where we can be powerful. And sometimes if we can't change a situation, what we can do is complain about it. And I think that's naturally where most of us fall back into that trap of complaining and being the toxic person. So the toxic employee, very scary. All right. Let's talk about the next one. Now, this one is really dark. This one is like saw three kind of dark. Like this one gets dark, 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 dark. And it's the scariest moment. I think for every business, and I hate to even say it because if, and if you're driving, I don't know, you may want to pull over for a second. Just be careful. Just be careful. You ready? Deep breaths, deep breaths, deep, deep breaths. Okay. Of course I'm talking about the performance appraisal. Dun, dun, dun. dun just touched my dun. pearls. Oh my gosh. gosh. I can't believe you just said that. How dare you? The performance appraisal. I was at an HR conference and I said, okay, HR folks. How many people here do performance appraisals? And they all raise their hand proudly. Like, of course we do performance appraisals. We're HR people. Of course we do those. And I said, okay, HR people, how many of you enjoy doing performance appraisals? And every hand went down. Every single hand, they're like, oh no, we hate doing them. They're awful, da, 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 da. So why are performance appraisals so scary in business? Why does nobody likes them? It seems like employers hate them. It seems like employees hate them. Why are they so scary? I think part of it is just that like no one likes to judge other people and no one likes to be judged. So I think that's like the beginning of the fear. But then I think it it gets exacerbated when you're like, okay, I have, let's say I have quarterly performance evaluations, but are you really gauging me on my quarter performance? Or are you gauging me on the last two weeks of performance? And like, what are you looking at? And are you really communicating with me on how I'm actually doing? Even worse, is there a category that's like exceptional or goes beyond, but like you can't give that many exceptional ratings, right? Or there's these numbers and these games that we play that get tied with performance appraisal that I think just freaks everybody out from start to finish. Yeah, I was going to say like, can like can a performance appraisal ever be just really positive or does it like do you, do you have to have the negative stuff too you know 
Mm-hmm. I think what's scary about performance reviews for a lot of people is you don't actually know what metrics you're being judged on. So kind of to your point, Diana, of like, are, are we really talking about the last quarter, the last year, or just how you feel about me in this moment? Because I really have no idea how you're grading me. Uh, the team doesn't have clear goalposts. The role descriptions don't have clear metrics of saying, here's how we're actually going to figure out if we're doing a good job or not. So it's terrifying then to walk into the room because you're like, they could pull something way out of the left field that I had no idea I was even supposed to be doing or doing it a different way because it was never communicated to me. So which one is scarier, the performance appraisal, getting a regular performance appraisal or not getting feedback at all? Which one is scarier? I don't know. I think they're both terrifying. <laughs> I, I mean, I it's, yeah, I was like, it's probably easier to not get feedback at all in a short term, in the short term, but like long term, that's how do you know? How would you know anything? How would you know anything? Yeah, I was going to say, I think in the short term, ignorance does feel like bliss because if I think I'm doing a great job, whether or not I am, I feel great about that. (laughs) But I agree with you in the long term, because then maybe I, I think I am doing a great job, but then no one else thinks I'm doing a great job and I'm going to feel that. So then it feels way worse then I wish somebody would just give me feedback, like teach me how to do that. Show, show me the right way um, to do it. So uh, yeah, performance reviews are like a, they're just a nightmare. This is a good Halloween topic. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to me, I think I prefer feedback. So I'm like, I'd rather have a performance review than not. And for most businesses, if they're doing a performance reviews versus doing nothing, I'm like, okay, that's at least where do you know, at least you're trying to do something where you're connecting with your people and giving them some feedback. But I would suggest some other, some other opportunities. I think it's scarier to me to go into a business and see like, oh, you don't talk to your people at all. <laughs> they have no idea how they're doing. And we can probably tell that in other ways too. So just like the the productivity and how much money you're making and all of that stuff. I would say too, what's scary also is to see an annual performance review and where there are no other check-in points throughout the year. And so the employee is coming to the table with a year's worth of backlog. The um, manager is coming to the table with a year's worth of backlog. And I think what's terrifying about that is like, you probably only gave 30 minutes for this meeting. So who knows what's going to come out of everybody's mouth in that moment. Yeah. And can you even do anything about it now? Because this was a year old, like, can you even fix it now? (laughs) Or, or if you do, it's, it's bad. Um, I worked somewhere once where they did an annual performance review and they asked us to tell us what was our worst day of the entire last year. And so, you know, me trying to be honest and transparent, I told them what my worst day was and it had happened like eight months ago and it involved another employee kind of, you know, saying something unkind. And the next thing I know, me and this employee are being pulled into a room together to hash it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And no, um, yeah. So this is where my trauma from performance reviews comes from. Because then it felt like number one, like the confidentiality of that review was completely broken. And then two, I mean, 
I had moved past it. The other person had moved past it, but because our manager, this was the first time that they'd heard about it. It seemed like a huge deal. And I had even put in my performance review clearly, like this is the date when this happened or it happened in this month. So they knew it was a long time ago. So I think, um, yeah, don't, don't do that is the moral of the story. Don't do that. But I think coming back to my original point of like, if you're going to do performance reviews within your company, make sure they're happening consistently. We know what metrics we're talking about. We know how we're supposed to win in the organization. We know what our culture is and how we're going to treat each other. We know what our values are and how we're playing the game. So that way there, there can't be just blow up moments like that. Cause moral, like end of the story, it did not go well. Yeah, it would. Of course it didn't go well. <laughs> That's a mess. I feel like yeah. I might need a hug again after that. I'll get, like, yeah. we'll, so we'll give you a hug. Don't worry. Don't worry. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like we all probably have, this is a whole other topic probably, but we all probably have like stories of, of uh, performance reviews gone bad. And, you know, to your point, Stephanie, like making sure that there's, if you are going to do performance appraisals, like making sure there's really clear metrics. I remember having one somewhere else too. And it was like a throwaway metric. Like they rated me like sort of low on it. And I remember asking about it and they were like, and they were like, well, no, it's only because you've been here for like a year. So it's, but we're going to just put it, but like, don't worry about it. And I was like, no, no, I am worried about it. <laughs> like you're recording it and it's going to go in my file with HR. So if anybody looks back at this, it's going to not look great. And they were like, no, no, really, like, don't worry about it. I was like, then why is it on here? Why are we putting this on a review? So there's just so many things like that. I had a review one time with a leader who I had only ever met once and called me Dana the whole stinking time. So it was like, I'd worked at this place like three years. I'd only met this person one time. They came in and they were like, it's time for your annual review. And I was like, oh, is, is the human that I would no, no. <laughs> like, but is the human that I actually work for going to be here? No. Okay. It was their boss. So I was just like, what do you know about me? Like, what am I supposed to say right now? Called me Dana the whole time and rated me like, slightly above average for most things but I was like you've seen me like what what is happening right now oh my gosh that's a new one Diana I don't remember telling that story before that's, yeah yeah that got me choked up that's that's <laughs> that's kind of funny in hindsight it's it, it's funny um, at the moment that probably was not funny well I mean it was just so ridiculous that I couldn't believe it was happening. And I almost was like, well, this is a huge joke. And I, this whole job is now a huge joke. Like it really demotivated me, which I was a salesperson at the time. So like demotivating a salesperson is terrible to do. So I just was like, this whole thing is a sham. <laughs> so Dana out. <laughs> Dana's <laughs> leaving. It would be like somebody's on this podcast listening right now going, boy, Diana sounds like Dana. Remember Dana used to work for us? She kind of <laughs> left suddenly. Remember that? Diana, boy, oh, she sounds just like her. Oh my gosh. So we did talk a lot about, so we've talked about some scary moments. Now, just to kind of put a bow on that one a little bit, we've talked about how giving performance appraisals is also kind of terrifying and then not giving them is terrifying. So, I mean, you know, some of you are listening to that going like, so what's the choice? And the choice is something in the middle of that. What we train managers to do is to give feedback constantly. 
If you're giving feedback constantly, including a lot of positive feedback, by the way, when things are going well, then the negative feedback is easier to give along the way. And that's, that's less scary. So it shouldn't be, hey, in April, we'll talk about it later. And then, and Stephanie, by the way, we have your former coworker on the line calling in right now, and we'd love for you to work through this issue. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, you know so. what? Let's just throw it out there. Let's just see what happens. Let's oh, just... no. Oh, no. <laughs> You're like, why not? My heart beating a little bit. No. Every, everyone just shifted in their chair uncomfortably. <laughs> like, please don't. <laughs> well, but I do love, Don, what you just said, like, give good feedback too. I think a lot of times we think feedback has to like, force somebody to grow or change or do something differently. And sometimes a just good job. Thank you for doing that. Or you rocked it, or I'm proud of you. Like those things go really far too. We were all talking earlier about, we've all had bosses who didn't say anything to us at all, unless it was bad. And that's just not, that's just not effective. That's not what we mean by feedback. It means like really tell the person how they're doing good and bad. Yes. So Let's get on to our next scary topic of business. Scary. Sorry, everybody. Sorry that this has been so terrifying for you. But let's talk about the... Got a second? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) I love when I do that at conferences. I'll do that when you knock on a table and you say, hey, got a second? And everybody goes, you see people like shudder a little bit. It's those... Those meetings, the surprise meetings with no agendas, the thing that comes out of nowhere, the call that you're not expecting, the meeting, the drop by, why are those so scary? Well, I said earlier, I wish Matt was on this call because I do put meetings on his calendar that just say like, meet with Don and Diana for like a month out. And I just don't tell him what it is. And every time he will call me and be like, what? and I just think it's hilarious. Every oh, time see, so. that just piques my anxiety <laughs> in a special way of like, well, cause I think you can't help but let your brain go to a worst case scenario. And what I do, um, is then I start thinking back, what did I do yesterday? What did I do the day before that? What did I do last week? And you start sifting through and thinking, what could I have done that they're about to come talk to me about? Oh yeah. Um, Every time I just tell Matt, I just tell Matt, like, I don't know, Matt, what do you think this is about? Just to let it spin. I'm kidding. I don't do this to him. (laughs) No. Yeah. If you knock on my door and you're like, do you have a minute? No, I do not. And then I will (laughs) run away. (laughs) No, just kidding. But so why do we like to be prepared for those conversations? Why is a little bit of what, what does a little bit of context do to make that less scary? I think this piggybacks on the performance review piece, right? Of like, if we don't have a culture of good communication and good feedback, and then you say, you just need to talk to me and I have no idea why, then it starts making me feel like, oh, this is about to be an unexpected performance review. I'm, I'm about to get the hammer slapped or the hand slapped, like something's coming down. All I'm saying is something's coming down. Something bad is about to happen in this meeting versus like, Hey, if you just have a question for me, then put that in the meeting agenda. Like, Hey, we need to talk about this specific thing, just even one sentence. You don't have to write me a novel every time. And it allows me to actually be prepared for the meeting. Cause I think that's the deeper feeling for me of where that fear comes from. It's not just fear of punishment, but it's fear of like, I want to, I want to do a good job. I want to come prepared to meetings with my boss or my manager. And so if you let me know ahead of time, what we're going to meet on, then maybe I can come with information and data that would be helpful. Yeah. That's really good. I like that. We tend to jump to the worst conclusions. 
So like, give, let me help to help to prep me a little bit. Some of you out there are really good at thinking on your feet. And some of us are processors. We need some time to think about that too. And this most stressed out moment is when somebody asks somebody really quick, give me some feedback. What are your thoughts? Go, give me three reasons why we should do this. Go. Some people, that's their worst nightmare, right? Some people thrive on that. Some people hate that. So I'm some people. I don't. I'm some people. I need the time. I need the minute. I need the pause. I don't need days. I just need some time to process my thoughts just in silence where I can think about it. And so I am a big proponent of a little bit of context will help me get my brain in the right place, will help me prepare whatever documents I want to bring or background information I think I need to collect or anything like that because I need to process the information before I can just spit it out. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been a really fun topic. We've gotten to talk about several of these. We had some more actually, but I think we've gotten pretty deep into this. And we had some others that we talked about a little bit, like difficult conversations are scary. Uh, I wrote down like losing your best person, like to the per your best person is going to come and quit. Like those are scary moments. Those are all things that come up, but we don't have to dive deep into those topics because actually, if you're a fan of this podcast and you've listened to other episodes, we drop tips all the time about overcoming these scary moments in business, right? We talk about how do you engage people? How do you work with toxic folks and convert them from being toxic to engaged? How do you make sure that you're gonna make it? How do you engage your team to make sure you're driving the common success of your company? How do you make sure that you're managing your people well? How are you taking care of yourself? All of those are topics that we have discussed and will continue to discuss as part of this podcast. So for the last scary thing here, we're going to go around the horn here. And what's your biggest takeaway on these scary moments? What themes did you hear? What things are you, are you scared of? Whatever you want to share, team, what are your takeaways? I'll share that I think scary moments happen because of lack of communication. I think that is really what is going on here. When people aren't giving feedback, when things aren't clear, when no one's saying what's actually happening, I think that the lack of communication, the lack of transparency, those are what causes scary moments in business. That's good. I love it. Well, I was going to say the same thing. So see, same page, <laughs> same page, same page. No, I think, yeah, the, the lack of communication allows us to start making up those stories in our head, right. And making assumptions. And we almost always jump somewhere. That's a little bit far from the truth in our heads as we're trying, we're trying to process what's happening without the information. So don't leave yourself in that spot. Don't leave your teams in that spot. Be communicative when you can find that safe spot of vulnerability where you can share things with your coworkers or your team. It, it will make a difference. It, and I know that feels scary. Vulnerability is a word that people don't like to talk about in business, but it really will help your team a lot. Love it. Confront your fear. Good. Yeah. The, this one, I feel like we've said this in other pot, podcasts before, but um, mine is uh, to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how often we say that to people. <laughs> I know. Well, I just feel like that applies in lots of cases of like, just look at yourself first and some of these and what you can control and what you can't control. And don't try to control the things that are out of your control <laughs> seems obvious to say, but I mean, look at yourself first and, um, and manage that and, and go from there. And hopefully some of these things won't be as scary. Well, we hope we didn't scare you too badly here. 
I hope that you are all still safe and still feel comfortable in business. But sometimes business is hard. Sometimes we just have to communicate. Sometimes we have to have those difficult conversations. Sometimes we have to look at the bad news. Sometimes we have to look at the uglier side of businesses because people are complex. But if you continue to work to empower, meaning making every single person as powerful as possible while also making others more powerful at the same time, enlightening the team, then that's what being a people-centric leader is all about. So thanks for joining us this week on our Halloween special Scary Moments in Business here at the People-Centric Podcast. Thank you for listening to the People-Centric Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.